Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Previously, we've talked about the companies that are being built here and those that are moving here. However, it's the people, ideas, and culture of Austin that makes our ecosystem grow and thrive. Today, we're speaking with Tom Singer, the human connection catalyst, on how the dynamic flow and creative collisions of talent and innovation is changing, adapting, and growing in our region. Tom has spent 30 years as a catalyst for human connection and an advisor to executives. His understanding of the power of business relationships and a desire to help everyone uncover engaging opportunities led Tom to join the team at Staten Chase to serve clients looking for key employees. His eclectic background working in several industries created a unique blend and a deep understanding of the needs of both corporate and association teams. Tom is also a keynote speaker and professional master of ceremonies. In addition to these roles, he's hosted five popular podcasts, Making Waves at Sea Level, which I had the pleasure of being a guest on, the Digital Enterprise Society podcast, the Conference Talk Show, the Sales Tech podcast, and the National Speaker Association Speakernomics. On these shows, he's interviewed over 900 business leaders about the path to success. Now we're happy to have Tom with us and looking forward to turning the tables. Welcome, Tom. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad that we get to uh, have you on the other side of the microphone for once. Let's talk about you. What is a human connection catalyst? So I have spent a large portion of my career teaching people how to network, how to build their brand, and how to get involved in their community as a keynote speaker and a consultant. And I came up with the term that the human connection catalyst, because you know what the great thing about a catalyst is it changes something without destroying itself in the process. And so I try to help people see that the people side of business is very important. And sometimes we get caught up in, in spreadsheets and theories and systems. And when we get back to really dissecting who's being successful, usually, and there's always outliers, but usually the successful people have really created a, a long list of connections with people who've helped them along the way, but more importantly, they've helped other people along the way. So that's what I try to do is, is remind people that everything in life, every opportunity we have comes down to that human connection. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Let's talk about Austin for a minute. You've been here for a long time. How would you describe our business culture here in Central Texas? So I had the, the honor, and it was a bit of the serendipity mistake, of moving to Austin in 1991. And Texas, of course, before that had been through sort of some ups and downs, the, the savings and loan collapse, some other things. The economy hadn't been that great. And they say that July 1991 was when Austin sort of did the bounce. It turned the corner from the late 80s and started the climb that has gone forward for the last now 31 years. And uh, I look at it that I was very lucky. I'm not responsible for that bounce, but I got here in July 1991. And I really see the community here then and now as being real people-centric. I, I see the community as being accepting. It was never a place where because I had grown up in California, people said, get out of here, kid, you're from the wrong place. Uh, there's always been a welcome mat in Austin. And the population over the past 31 years that I've lived here, it's almost tripled in, in size if you look at the greater metropolitan area. And yet a large portion of that vibe of Austin, it may not be as weird as it was 30 years ago, 
but a big part of that vibe is how welcoming it is and how people across industry lines are, are willing to work together or at least hear the other people out. That welcoming is indeed a big part of the Austin culture, and I know that we've really enjoyed it while we've been here. But everything's changed over the past 18 to 24 months. How has Austin's culture changed with the pandemic, the mass migration of people here, and all the other things that have just really taken off here in Austin? Well, I think a lot of the answer to that is still a work in progress. The changes that have happened the past two or three years have been even more drastic than what I've seen over the last three decades. The amount of people who are coming has increased. Uh, of course, the pandemic has had forced everybody away from sort of the networking events. Austin sort of has this networking culture. And for the last 18 months, for the most part, we've been sort of pushed apart. So I think that the, the answer to that is still a work in progress. But if I look back at you know, sort of the changes that I've seen over this amount of time. One of the things is, is there was a time maybe 15, 18 years ago where there were about a dozen people in Austin who if you knew those people, you could access everybody. Uh, there were people from the tech community. There were people from the service provider companies, the, the, the law firms, the banks, the accounting firms, the consulting firms. There were people in government. There were people in the university world, et cetera. There were about 12 people who, if you had a good human connection, if you had a good relationship with them, you could find your way into a lot of places. You'd find yourself, I found myself invited to a, a small mixer at the governor's mansion one time. Uh, I found myself at dinner tables with venture capitalists and, and with other people who were doing really amazing things. That was something that could easily happen. Because the population has grown so much, I would say the biggest change is there's not 12 people you need to know. There's probably 50 people you need to know to be able to have those that hub and spoke part of your network. And having connections to 50 key people is probably somewhat impossible. So it's probably harder now to reach everybody. However, I think that you still can focus in on whatever your slice of the pie is and still find yourself invited to very interesting things. So we've looked in the past few episodes about kind of really the building blocks here, right? What's the history of Austin? What are the companies that are being built here? What are the um, companies that are moving here? But it's really kind of this, you know, the mortar, the in-between the companies that is, I think, driving this. So kind of what is your thoughts about the, the interaction and movement of, of people across the different industries and the different companies? Yeah, I think people and that networking culture, to, for lack of a better term, I think that is that mortar that you talk about that holds everything together. I think it's that, that unnatural love affair that Austinites have with Austin, whether they've lived here you know, a year like you both have, or a little less than a year, or if you've been here 31 years or 51 years, Austinites tend to have a real strong love affair for Austin. Where a lot of cities, you could go to some sort of an event and people could, you know, talk bad about things about about the town or the culture. Austinites don't like that. Austinites want people to be all in in Austin. I remember one time, uh, I won't say the company, but somebody came in to lead the Austin office of a pretty well-known national organization, and everybody kept saying she's doing it. Austin is just a stepping stone for her. It was very clear that she had taken the role heading the Austin office so she could have something bigger. And she never was really welcomed into the community because she didn't hide the fact that she didn't love Austin. And she was literally, you know, here because the company needed somebody here and she was moving on to a bigger city as soon as she could. And that person always struggled. I remember she was great. I liked her. 
but she always struggled at being part of that community. The mortar wasn't holding her together because she wasn't committed to the town the way the town wants people to be committed. So you have that commitment and people wanting to be a part of it. And then what I think is interesting is seeing the flow between the different sectors. So one of the things that's been really impressive here, right, is this huge sector diversity. We've got space, energy, consumer, life science, media tech, CPG. I'm missing about 50 others, right, that are continuing to coming. And one of the interesting things is do we see people actually making either the transitions across? I mean, do you see energy people going to CPG? That might be a, a bit of a, a stretch. But also the fact that we start seeing ideas and concepts. So like the idea, you know, I'm very much in the life science space. And historically, it was very, you know, B2B, pitching to hospitals and physicians. But more and more, you're seeing e-commerce come up as a part, a part of that. And that's not an idea that originated in life science and how you take those ideas and translate them over. And I think that Austin is interesting and a strong case to be able to make some of those idea and business model transitions. So how are you seeing them kind of go across the sectors? Yeah, I, I'm always surprised because I don't fit into a certain sector anymore for, for what, what I do. I work with people sort of across industry lines. And so I'll show up at different events uh, and I'm always surprised to see that it's not just people from that industry. CPG is a perfect example of that. I mean, you'd think, oh, if you're going to go to a CPG breakfast happy hour that takes place every month, you know, at, at a coffee shop, that you're just going to find people who have some sort of a food product or or makeup product, et cetera. But then you see software people and you see people from the investment world who invest in life science. And you're like, what are you doing here? And I think that Austin has this, this really big excitement for the idea that I can get an idea from you. I don't have to work in your industry, but if I can get around different people and I can see this, I can take an idea here, a theory there, a nugget there, and I can pull it into my industry. And so I do think that that is really common here. I don't know that if it, that's as common in the Silicon Valley or if that's as common in New York. I don't know firsthand, but I definitely know that here, people are always willing to sit down, hear what's happening. I know that I get calls from people who are like, hey, will you meet with my friend in whatever industry it is? And my initial answer is yes. I would never say no if somebody in my network asked me to have a call with somebody or asked me to sit down with somebody. And yet- I think it's harder in other places to get people to have that just initial connection because people people don't have to, in Austin, they don't have to have that what's in it for me attitude. There is sort of this, the rising tide is going to raise all ships. So if I can help you, I get helped as well. No, it's the, I like these kind of creative collisions, right? It, a life science person at CPG and there's stuff that they can find out and kind of move forward. Something also, we talked with Jason Ball, the head of the Round Rock Chamber of Commerce, and one of the things we kind of realized coming out of this is that, you know, the Austin Metro is much more than just Austin, right? It's, you know, over 50% of the population is not in Austin itself. And one of the things that I kind of see happening is we're having this kind of really multi-hub situation kind of evolving both within the Austin uh, main itself. And then you have Round Rock and Georgetown and Taylor and Bostrup seems to be growing a lot. How do you see the kind of multi-hub future really affecting this flow of ideas and talent? You're absolutely right. Austin is not just Austin. Now, I think if we go back 31 years ago to when I moved here, I think that Austin was just Austin. And one of the advantages of that smaller town, both geographically and population size, was that if you worked up in the Arboretum, I was going to say the domain, but that didn't exist 30 years ago. If you worked up in the Arboretum area and there was a networking event or Young Men's Business League lunch downtown, 
it was fairly easy to traverse across the city and get to that uh, location. And so you found that, you know, I, I called it one time, I was quoted in the Austin Business Journal like 20 years ago, talking about how in Austin, you could easily have a three name tag day. And what I drubbed a three name tag day is you could go to a breakfast, a lunch and a happy hour where someone would slap a, a sticky name tag on you because you were at a networking event. And those events could easily have been taking place at the Onion Creek Country Club. One could be downtown and one could be up in North Austin. Nowadays, it would be really hard to be able to complete your job and do the work that you have to do and be able to physically be in those places because the traffic alone is so much. Plus, if there's an event in Taylor, that's a little harder to get to than the domain. Or if there's an event in San Marcos, that becomes a little bit more of, of a drive. Plus, you're adding I-35 into the mix. And, you know, at least in regular times, that, that traffic can be unmanageable. So I think this hub area, what it does is it creates little pockets where people who live in those areas can get together, can network, can share ideas, can have that collision of ideas. But because of that, I think it also encourages more of what we've been talking about, which is people going across industry lines to build their business networks because what you have in the San Marcos area is also diverse. It's not just one type of business. And yet, if you have some sort of, of, of a gathering or an, an event or a meeting, the people who come together are going to come from a lot of different industries. So I, I think it's actually a good thing, and I think it's part of growth. But I also think that Austin needs to look to larger cities like Los Angeles or the Bay Area or the New York area, where this has been the way their business has been done you know, for decades. Yeah, the I-35 is now the bane of all of our existence. <laughs> you, you didn't even live here before the pandemic. I-35 18 months ago was just a parking lot. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to go and and dig a little bit deeper on the comments you made with regard to what it was like before, how many people you needed to know in order to be one degree of separation from anybody, and what's it like today. So if, if we just divide up time to, let's say, five years, basically up to the pandemic, what really were the main catalysts? for collaboration and networking in Austin? What were the groups or the events that were out there? Well, I mean, I think that, that uh, I won't be able to do it justice. If I name start naming groups, I'm going to leave a bunch out. But the ones that come to, come to mind, the Association for Corporate Growth uh, has always, for three decades, been you know sort of a, a great place for those people who work in and around the middle market. There's an organization called TechSchange, uh, which was started like 19 years ago, something like that in Austin. It originated in Dallas. They opened a chapter here. And I was the third person to serve as president of TechSchange. Now, what's interesting about that is I don't come out of a technology company. At the time, I worked for a law firm that served, I was the marketing director for a law firm that served, you know, venture-backed tech companies. And so even though I myself wasn't somebody who worked for a tech company, I was able to serve as president of TechSchange, which goes back to that sort of big tent, you know, open philosophy that people had. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce often gets overlooked, but the Chamber of Commerce has played a extremely important role in the growth that Austin has had because going back 30 years ago, they would do these recruiting trips where they would fly out to all of these other major cities and meet with companies that were going to move or expand. And the, the migration of companies that came here never would have been able to happen if it wasn't for the Chamber of Commerce. And then there's all these groups that exist specifically for individual type things. There's the Austin Software Council, which is now the Austin Technology Council. that's focused on technology. Uh, there's groups that focus on CPG. There's groups that focus on 
you know, manufacturing, et cetera. So I think the good news is there are more organizations that exist than any one person could ever attend. So whatever your industry is, there's places for you to go and build that network. I do think it's a little harder now than it was 20 years ago because of that giant population and the larger geographic area. But I really believe that if you want to get engaged in Austin, you know, yeah, it's not just 10 or 12 people you need to know, but if you want to get engaged, there are opportunities. It just takes time and it takes that commitment to getting involved with a couple of these organizations. I tell people all the time, you can't belong to 30 organizations, but you can belong to two, maybe three, and really deep dive, volunteer, get involved, never miss a meeting. And over the course of a year or so, you're going to have an incredible network in Austin. I want to dig in on one thing that you just talked about with regard to the chamber. Having been on the other side, if you will, of the chamber's activities, we noticed that Texas was very aggressive, both the Austin chamber as well as chambers in Dallas and in Houston, as well as the state government in recruiting people and companies to come to Texas. It's really different from most places because they just don't seem to care. What what do you think is the catalyst behind that aggressive attitude? Is that just a Texas thing or or was somebody the driving force behind that? Well, I think that part of it is that swagger or whatever word you want to put around put around Texas, right? Texans are Texans. And as I said about Austin, Austinites have an unnatural love affair with Austin. And that coming together really was we wanted more people here. The other thing was is the Austin Chamber of Commerce realized many decades ago that we had a problem. We were a government and university town who had some banking and some other services. And the problem was is that that didn't allow the economy to grow and thrive. And then we had the semiconductor industry, which did really well, but we all know that you know 25 years ago, that all moved overseas. So the one big manufacturing piece that we had in Austin disappeared. And the Austin Chamber of Commerce realized that they had to fill that gap. And so they were very intentional. And I don't think it was one person, and I can't even begin to remember all of the names of the people 25 years ago who were involved, but there were a handful, call it you know six or eight people, who really decided we have to do this. We have to fill that hole where these manufacturing fabs were closing down. We needed to fill the hole. At the same time, Dell Computer came on the scenes and exploded to being one of the biggest companies in the country. And what that did is it made a lot of people in Austin both those who had lived here before and those who came to work for Dell, it made a lot of them very wealthy. And a lot of people were either to retire, able to retire or semi-retire and start investing in companies. So, you know, we call them the Dellionaires, but they really did have a huge impact on being able to help the small startups that were happening in town, as well as being behind this idea that Austin was the place to come and do business. So the other piece that really comes to mind here is that we've done two things very well. The recruiting that you just asked about, but the other thing that we've done very well, and a lot of it came from sort of the lead by example of, of Michael Dell and others, was that we have homegrown so many businesses who have grown up and gone public or been purchased. And that has just been part of that culture, part of that community. And it has been embraced by the Chamber of Commerce and the city government and the state government. And I think it was just a perfect storm of all those things that really led to Austin's explosion. It's always been a small group of people that make all the difference. We've been faced with suffering going through, I don't know what words you want to use, uh, this pandemic over the last 18 months. For me, as a, as a relatively newbie here, 
the groups that I've seen are the groups that have survived the pandemic. What do you see in terms of being the, the groups that have really stood out and adapted well to the changes that have been forced upon us? Well, I think most groups pivoted to doing online things. I, again, I'm, I'm going to cite the Association for Corporate Growth, and in full disclosure, my wife is the administrator of that organization, so I see everything that they do and how hard their board of directors and their other volunteers and, and, and my wife who works for them have worked to be able to continuously reach out and have things. So they were able to hold monthly, you know, instead of luncheons, monthly Zoom calls where they would bring in local people to talk about what was going on you know, how, how are companies continuing to grow? Again, I think that uh, the Austin Technology Council has done a great job of reaching out and having these online things. What people have needed during this time is they've needed access to both information and they've needed access to each other. And so I think many of these organizations have done a really good job of that. The really interesting part is going to be what we see coming forward into 2022 and beyond. As we're able to get back out to these face-to-face -face events, People want different things, but we're not sure yet what those are. And so I think that the, the real end to this story is going to be told over the next year is can they draw people in and can they provide what people need? Because we've learned something very interesting in Austin and beyond that you can deliver content over these virtual platforms pretty well. You can give people learning. People can get their continuing education. People can get that nugget and idea by listening to a speaker if they'll sit down and, and log on to the event. The part that we haven't been able to master, and, and there's exceptions to this. I've talked to people who are like, no, my networking skills and stuff are better in the pandemic. I've made more friends virtually than ever. And that's a true statement for a small portion of people. For most people, they haven't been able to have that same human-to-human -human connection piece in this world of social distancing. So as we get out of the pandemic, People are going to have to take ownership of doing their own social tightening, of pulling themselves together back into these communities, back into these organizations. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see who can come forward and provide not just data and information, but really provide that human experience is, is the reason that people are going to come back to these in-person events. So a three name tag day can still exist as long as you're slapping the name tags on yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, during the pandemic, a lot of people attended a lot more events than they ever did because they didn't have the commute. They were just sitting there. Um, so, yes, but I think that even in a post-pandemic world, I think we can have three name tag days where you go to a lot of networking functions. And, and maybe you don't do three in a day, but you could go to three in a week. However, they're going to have to be offering something more than a talking head and a PowerPoint to get you to get in your car and drive to that event. They're going to have to have better networking, better experiences in order to draw the people in. But where it works, it's gonna be magic because all those opportunities in life come from people. And I think people are hungry to reconnect. And in a town like Austin, I think we're doubly hungry to get back together. I think you've, you've identified something that's absolutely right. The quality of the events will have to go up to get the people, no matter how risk-seeking or risk-adverse they are, to step out and, and join these events. I'm in the process right now of talking to a technology company about being the master of ceremonies for their return to their uh, client client program, their, their two and a half day client users conference. And uh, we're in the process of talking about it. And they're taking advantage of not doing the conference for two years 
and the changes in our society, and they want to reinvent the whole conference. So instead of hiring a celebrity keynote speaker, they're going to hire three or four real content-driven business speakers who are great on stage. And instead of paying $40,000 for one name that isn't even from their industry but is a famous person, they're going to get some people to come in and do real information deep dives, but all of those people have to be involved in the whole conference. They want the networking to be led by the people who are going to be on their stage. So they're reinventing their whole event in a different manner and making it entirely different. And I think that's a really smart thing to do. So I want to pivot now to the future. We've talked a lot about how we've kind of made this changes through the, through the pandemic. What do you see challenges to kind of the, the mortar, as we talked about, of our ecosystem going forward? So I think there's a couple of challenges that we need to address. And number one is the quick influx of population. Our infrastructure isn't keeping up. So as soon as we fully open back up to the world, I think I-35 isn't just going to be a parking lot. I think it's going to be like a, a an auto graveyard. It's going to be, we have so many people who've come that we have to deal with the infrastructure of our roads, of our public transportation, or you're not going to be able to, you know, it's hard enough to go from, I live in South Austin, to go to the domain. It's hard enough to get there at five o'clock at night for some sort of a lunch or a dinner or happy hour. It's going to be impossible with the more people coming if we don't fix our public transportation and, and be able to move people. I think another problem is there's a lot of people who are coming to Austin who are coming because Austin's trendy and cool. And the problem is, is that when people come and join anything from a mercenary standpoint where, ooh, there's jobs there, I'll just go there. If they come in without really having the, I wanna build my home here, I wanna bring my family here, I wanna, I wanna raise my kids in this community, then when there's another hot spot, when something else becomes trendy and cool, a lot of those people might move on to other places. And that can cause sort of those ups and downs. All Austin has really seen since I moved here in 1991 was a continued growth, which has continued to take our property values up, which has continued to allow companies to come here and have great workforce opportunities. However, if you start having ups and downs to that, if it gets choppy, if people don't have an unnatural love affair with Austin, then if Boise becomes cool, they move to Boise. If Tulsa becomes cool, they move to Tulsa. So we need to make sure that the people who are coming here are invested in the town. And those of us who are already here, it's our responsibility to do that. We have to put out that welcome wagon and make sure even though our traffic's getting worse and the population continues to grow, if we don't make people feel that this is their community, they're not going to stay. And if we have an exodus, we're going to see problems that we haven't seen since the 1980s. That's a lot to kind of think about there. And I, I do think it's also interesting that not just the infrastructure that's being built from a purely roads perspective, but just also the the things to do continues to grow as well. And I think that stuff, like, you know, the food scene continues to explode. I Like we went up to um, Round Rock and an indoor water park that was only nine months old. So lots of really fun and interesting things that you had said. It, more than just the mercenary things will kind of keep you here. And I think that's always a great opportunity. So on the last note here, we always like to ask our final question. So Tom, what's next for Austin? You know, I'm bullish on Austin. I think that the future of Austin, while I think it's going to be different, and I think that there are the biggest changes ever, I think, are coming in the next five to 10 years. I think that there's going to be a lot of changes. And not all of them are going to be awesome, but I definitely think that the future of Austin looks bright. And I think that uh, the innovation core of Austin isn't slowing down. I meet a lot of these uh, younger people who are, you know, in their late 20s or early 30s who have moved here. 
a lot of them have this entrepreneurial drive. Even if they're working for a tech company in sales, they have something inside of them where they, they want to start the, the next, next thing. And I think that that is really at the core of what's made Austin work so well for the last three decades. And I think it's going to be what drives Austin the next three decades is that you can do it here attitude. No, that's fantastic. And I, I'm looking forward to not only what's next in Austin, but the next, next thing in Austin as well. So, Tom, this has been great. And thanks for joining us. Oh, God, thanks for having me. I could talk about Austin all day long. It's, 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 been a, it's been a very good place for my wife and I to raise our kids and to build our careers. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher, leave us a review, and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.